Welcome to No Rewind with Larry Betag. The next chapter of your life begins today, and you're playing the hero. Whether you're on track and ready to cross the finish line or need a complete overhaul, you've come to the right place. Join Larry as he walks alongside you in the next chapter of your life. We'll take a deep look under the hood to see how you can take the right steps to go from good to great. Victories aren't easy, but regret can be costly. Welcome to No Rewind. You've only got one shot. Welcome to Larry Betag on our next episode of No Rewind. I'm excited to be here and I thank you for spending time here. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to Cherry Creek Mortgage for sponsoring this. I am nothing if not a shameless self-promoter. From time to time, I need to do that because I got to pay the bills just like everybody else here. So thanks for joining us today. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit about decisions and we're going to talk about how we incorporate that with moods. You know, I was thinking about this today, and I'll give you an example about today, what, what happened uh, for me, and then we'll talk about the greater picture for you. So this morning I woke up. I am desperately trying to lose 50 pounds, and I'm down about 13 pounds, but I still have plenty more to go. Um, over the course of the years, I have managed to put on um, 50 pounds of 50 pounds that I do not need to have on my body. And this is not a weight loss um, episode. It's an episode really kind of based upon the decisions that you and I do every single day. I think about if we go back to some of the prior episodes, we're going to talk about, you know, some of the things that we talk about that are passions in our life. And I love passion. And without passion, I don't know how you're going to be able to keep focused on the things that really stir the heart. I think if your heart's not stirred, you're kind of just going through the motions. And we talked in the last few episodes about teddy bears, and teddy bears are things that kind of come in and they, they, they um, what do they do to you? They, they, they appease you, they, they, they coddle you, they, they appease you for a moment, but they don't give any lasting fulfillment. So this morning I wake up and I'm on this weight loss journey and I woke up and I am at my record low for the last five years. whoop de doo that's great. But I had a goal in my mind of being probably about, actually, I'll tell you exactly, 2.9 pounds lower than I am right now. And the truth of the matter is I am not 2.9 pounds. I'm 2.8 pounds over where I thought I would be. I wanted to be 2.9 lower and so I got up this morning when I hit the scale after I'd done my workout, I was really bummed out. Now it was still a record, but I really had a weekly goal to be even further down than I was. Um, I woke up, I didn't have anything to drink last night. Usually on a Friday night after a long week, I will have one or two beers, uh, a cocktail or two, whatever it might be. And, you know, just let my hair down a little bit, just relax. I'm not a big drinker, but I sure like to have a drink once in a while. And I knew that alcohol stops the metabolism. It just stops it. And you have to metabolize that out before the body can start metabolizing further. So what I've done is I've hired a coach, and the coaches have um, bit by bit, week by week, day by day, they keep telling me more and more. And so during this weight loss process, I am actually limiting my limited alcohol to even less. And so for me, that feels as if notice the word feels, 
that feels as if I'm depriving myself of something, and I am. Uh, I'm depriving myself of a teddy bear. I am depriving myself of a moment of letting my hair down and um, depriving myself of a moment of coddling. And um, so I figured that since I had done that, that I would see greater results this morning. And I didn't, and I was bummed out. Now again, um, my decision, decisions are are, are really choices. And um, this sounds really stupid to talk to people that, that... don't um, think, or I don't think that people know what the, let me start all over. Um, When I'm talking to people, everyone knows what decision is. Everybody knows what a choice is. But I think there's momentary choices and there's long-term choices. And for me, the long-term choices, what's the thing that's most important to me? Well, the thing that's most important to me is actually that I get healthy. You know, I'm going to tell you a little, couple things that I think that most people don't know about health. But my father, my grandfather, my three brothers, my nephews, they're all MDs. And my father had a heart attack. My grandfather had a heart attack. They were both smokers. But my grandfather was the first, uh, second thoracic lung surgeon in the United States. My father is an anesthesiologist. He still is. Um, he is retired. Um, but he is, um, he, he, he's a great man. At 83, he's going at the speed of light and um but my my grandfather has a heart attack at 55 and my 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 father has one at the age of 50. now he didn't know that he had a heart attack my mom said hey get your heart checked before you fly up to canada do your fishing and they argued back and forth and and finally my father went and 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 had um, uh, an ekg the doctor told him that he had a heart attack and my dad in my only in the fashion that my dad can only say, said bullshit. And he's like, I'm going fishing. And he goes, no, you did. And he's like, give me the damn EKG. So he grabs the EKG and he's like, I'll be damned. I did. Now I remember the day that he had the heart attack because, um, it was a nominal heart attack. Um, but I was going for my run. I think I was 13 or 14 years old. And I saw my dad actually running in the opposite direction around our circle. Our circle was eight tenths of a mile. And I said, boy, that's weird. I've never seen my dad exercise in, in, in that manner ever. And I didn't really think anything about it, but he actually had the heart attack that day. And so what he did is he had chest pains that were probably more severe, but not severe enough to obviously drop him to his knees. And it passed. So anyways, he goes and gets his EKG. Long story short, um, um, the local hospital here in town tells him that he needs to have double bypass surgery. Well, my dad, not only was he an anesthesiologist, he was a medical director of um, the uh, hospital. And he's like, nope, I'm not doing that. So he takes all of his charts and he sends them down to Rush Press St. Luke's down in Chicago. And, and Rush Press St. Luke's down in Chicago says, you need to have a double bypass. And my dad says, Again, in my dad's language, he says, bullshit. So what he does is he takes them and he researches and he knows that the number one heart um, uh, specialists are, are St. Luke's in, in Kansas City. So he takes those results and his charts and he sends them down to St. Luke's. And St. Luke's says, you don't need open heart anything. He's like, you need an angioplasty and we are going to get you into reversing heart disease. So he does, and, and, and you know, it, by the way, there, there's a reason why we want to pay attention to this, and I'll tell you why in a second. But um, three months later, um, 
he has a stroke. And what had happened in the heart attack, there was a piece of the plaque that broke off. And it went in and created a stroke. And that became a, a big deal. And the reason it became a big deal was because um, he lost his ability to speak the way that you and I speak. What was a miracle is that he um, kept all of his medical language, but he couldn't say my, the word my, in a sentence that said, my name is Jerry. His name is Jerry. But he could say, give me two cc's of an IV drip on a one-two flow, and followed up by um, blah, blah, blah. And so it was weird how the stroke affected certain things. They told him he would never practice again, and he was creating a, the first surgery center in the state of Illinois, and they told him he'd have to um, skip that as well, too. And again, my dad, um, one word that he kept was the word bullshit. And he said, bullshit, and got a speech therapist. And uh, the speech therapist said, I've never seen anyone as determined as he is. And within a probably about a three to six month process, he ended up uh, regaining all of his speech. Spent the next 25 years um, with this great surgery center that he eventually sold with his partners um, a, a few years back. Um, but, but, um, he, in the meantime, told me two things that I will never forget. He was in charge of cardiac rehab for a lot of the um, people that had cardiac uh, arrests or, shall I say, heart attacks. And what he ended up doing was, uh, on, on a, I'm going to say Thursday nights, he'd go and have them do a, a lot of walking so they can start rehabbing. That's what they did back, back then. And this would be after open heart surgery or even just after a heart attack. And he told me something I will never forget. He said, when I was 13 years old, he said, you know, those are the lucky ones. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, the people who have a heart attack and are in rehab are lucky because they are in rehab. The unlucky ones are the ones that didn't make it to rehab. They actually died. Another thing he told me, which I will never forget, is that every five pounds you are overweight. Think about this. This is the ding, ding, ding moment. Where for every five pounds that you are overweight, that's one extra mile of red blood vessels that you have to go ahead and have your heart pump through. So you talk about high blood pressure. High blood pressure really comes from, uh, I don't know what it all comes from, but I know one thing that comes from is having the heart strain and work harder than it needs to. And so if you think about it, if I'm 50 pounds overweight, well, every five pounds means that I am having one extra mile of blood vessels to have the heart pump through, well then, if I lose 50 pounds, believe it or not, those blood vessels start to recess and they start to pull back. And so if I lose 50 pounds, I am now um, creating less strain on the heart and off to the races we go. He told me at my height at, at two, two um, at um, um, 6'3", if I am under 200 pounds, I will not die of heart disease. Um, but again, he has me uh, on the reversing heart disease. Um, and he has all of us uh, kids on that as well, too. In any event, um, in, in the reversing heart disease, the, the whole mindset of it is to have your diet and your exercise go ahead and start scrubbing out some of the plaque buildup that's been in there so you can start um, going back and having the elasticity um, that you have in your blood vessels back when you were 18 and 20 and, and at your prime. 
And so I am in the process of doing that. I've allowed myself to do um, to misuse my body for many, many years. And so last night, um, I, I said, well, I drink maybe on a Friday and a Saturday, maybe on a Sunday. So three three times a week, I've gone down to two times a week. And um, this week, I am down to just once a week. I've never had an alcohol addiction. I will tell you my favorite thing, if you were to ask me selfishly what my favorite thing to do is with the family, it's Sunday nights and to get a little bit of my buzz on, um, going out and grilling. I'm gourmet on the grill. Gourmet, really. I can't do one thing inside, but outside, I love to create, and I love to do things that other people don't do, such as grilling pizzas, such as grilling vegetables, such as smoking things, uh, to uh, um, just just things that are probably most people haven't even thought of. Um, I like to do, and I like to create and so anyway, um, my Saturday or Sunday night is my favorite because I will be a complete hillbilly. I'll get my grill out. I will uh, get my smoker out and I will have a few beers. I will get a cigar and I will sit in a captain's chair. I'll put on my Bose speaker and I will listen to tunes and I will actually do some reading, which is really a lot of fun. And then I hit the reset button and uh, take off on a Monday. So the decisions. Let's talk about decisions. So decisions I have to make really come down to sometimes a lot of conflict decisions. So the one decision I really like is um, going ahead and having a beer or one or two Foster's oil cans um, or um, something else, maybe a, a little something, something, Lagunitas. Um, and I like that. I like getting a little buzz on and I always quit drinking at dinner. I never drink after dinner. Um, I just like to, you know, relax a little bit, but once the dinner comes, I have to go ahead and start the detox process because I got uh, a, a tomorrow. I will never drink Monday through Thursday, and then again, sometimes on the weekends, I will. So in, in this process, um, as I'm losing weight, um, they have told me that uh, alcohol just stops immediately. Boom. Done. Boom. No more metabolism until you metabolize out the alcohol. Alcohol just stops it. So um, grudgingly, I made a decision to quit drinking three nights on a week. Then I made a decision to quit drinking two nights on the week. And right now I'm at the decision point that right now I'm intending to go ahead and have my parents over on, on Sunday and probably have a few drinks with them on Sunday. But we'll see. We'll see. But I woke up this morning as if I had drank three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, twelve, fifteen, a thousand beers, and I felt like I was hungover and I didn't have anything to drink. I haven't had anything to drink in a week. And I was really bummed when I saw the scale. And the, I have teddy bears in my past way more. Everyone's got a million teddy bears. But um, I think about teddy bears for me, one is food, you know, one has been other things I don't want to even talk about. Nothing major, but enough to go ahead and destroy my emotional makeup. And what I mean by that is every time you do something that is against the core values of who you are, you're really fighting against yourself. And I think about moods. I woke up this morning making, uh, de deciding, not even with a decision, I just woke up bummed after I got off the scale even though it was a record weight, I was so bummed because it wasn't my target weight. And 
Uh, my coaches tell me you are very type A, Larry. You can't go on the daily. You got to look on the weekly. My coach just told me here, and I'm going to get this up on my phone. Um, he he uh, just told me this. He said, Larry, you have not stalled your weight loss. You have to wrap your head around your average per week and not per day. You know, Monday you were at this way, Tuesday this way, blah, 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 blah. In the last couple of weeks, you were at this, this, this. You're down three pounds a week, three pounds a week, three pounds a week. Um, every single day, here's the final thing. If you focus on it daily, it will drive you nuts. So it did. It drove me nuts. I hated it, um, and I'm a baby. And I want results, and I want results now. And so it, as I translate things to you, I think about the big choices in your life. I think the biggest thing for me is passion. So passion is the things that stir your heart. And I'm going to ask all over and over and over and over again what your passion is. What is your passion? What is your passion in life? I will tell you what my passion in life is. My passion in life is to go ahead and positively impact the lives of other people. If I can make money doing it, then wonderful. I love it. I can't even tell you how excited it makes me. But my passion truly becomes... Uh, when I impact someone's lives, our life, um, that's when my heart is full. And um, I think about where my passion is from the inside to the outside. It starts with being a great husband. And so I want to be impactful to my wife. I want to build her up. Um, I, the, the whole different story, and I think maybe I'll have my wife Michelle on at some point. But I, I, I used to do marriage counseling. I hated it because... 9 out of 10 or 19 out of 20 couples came in and he paid me to say that basically she was a bitch and she paid me basically to say that he was an asshole. But one out of every 10 or 20 people came in and said, hey, we're broken, fix us. And so when I say my passion is to impact my wife positively, I can tell you that there were times in my life that that was not the case. Um, it, 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 the world, according to Larry, I am God's gift to God. Well, really, we are. We're all God's gift to God. He made us for his enjoyment and pleasure. But I was walking around for, for, for my own enjoyment and pleasure. Um, my, my second part of, of the inward outward is I want to go ahead and positively impact the lives of my kids. I want to create legacy kids. I want to be tough on them. I want them to know that their dad loves them and has their back unconditionally. And even though they're meatheads, I got a PhD in being a meathead. And there was no bigger meathead on the face of the earth than me. And so I can relate to my kids and say, I've been there, done that. Whether they accept that or not, I don't know. The third one is to go ahead and impact the people I interface with in my life and then through other mechanisms such as a podcast to go ahead and impact people's lives. And so I get up this morning very bummed out because my emotional intelligence really believed that I was going to be at a certain weight and I wasn't. And so therefore, um, I woke up in kind of a foul, funky mood. I also physically was probably deprived of sleep. My coach is telling me I need to get to eight hours of sleep. Uh, for years, I've been at, you know, four or five, five and a half, six, then six and a half, seven, seven and a half. I'm trying to push eight. And so, you know, if you ever wake up and then you go back to sleep, that's what I did this morning. And I think when I woke up, it, it gave me that hangover feeling. So I made a decision. Do I go back to my old teddy bears and, and, and bring 
bad things into my life again, even if it's just for a momentary pleasure? Or do I go ahead and, and just slow it down a little bit? I decided just to slow it down a little bit. I sat in our um, seating area in our kitchen and just kind of relaxed a little bit and just did some kind of self-thinking and uh, waited for my body to kind of catch up you know, or my brain to catch up or both of them to catch up because they were both out of kilter. Um, here, here's where the conflict is. The conflict is is when we go ahead and um, have this crossroads and the crossroads are this. What's the bigger decision for me? The bigger decision is I need to lose weight. I need to be healthy. I don't want to be the fortunate guy who's in rehab. Um, I, I don't want that. Uh, I, I'm 58. I, I, for all practical purposes, I'm healthy. I'm, I'm doing well with most of my physical stuff. There's, there's definitely signs that if I don't get control of this, I'm going to be like those people praying to be fortunate and being in rehab. I have no desire to do that. So the two decisions I had in the last 24 hours, uh, 12 hours last night, do I want to go ahead and drink and let my hair down? There's going to be a time for that. Um, but I decided that it's just not today. And quite honestly, when I rejected the alcohol and stayed focused on my task, it created a little mini discipline in my life. And that mini discipline was just me taking mastery over my body and saying, nope, Blair, you know, you're going to celebrate and you're going to have drinks, but it's not today. And I think that the mental gymnastic that I had to go and jump over was the two sides of the fence. Here's the two sides of the fence. The two sides of the fence of this. I can either go ahead and say, um... I'm going to have this meal and I'll start, or I'm going to have this drink, but I'll start tomorrow. Um, that's been the story of my life for years. Let me just finish this meal. Okay, after this meal. Um, or the other side of the fence is you're not depriving yourself. You can have it, just not today. So I am now teaching myself little baby steps on how to go ahead and, and, and master or take control over another area of my life and another area over my body. That makes me feel really good. This morning, waking up in this funk, um, I had to make a decision. Uh, I'm going to sit around and just, I don't know, self-sabotage myself with the sins of the past, or am I going to go ahead and just slow things down, let my body and my mind catch up a little bit, then get on and do the things, quite honestly, that I feel like I've been called to do. And so that's what I chose to do. And it, honestly, it felt, feels pretty good. I'm pretty happy about it. So um, in any event, th those are the decisions that, 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 that I made. I think when it comes to the bigger picture, you know, you have to go back and determine what your why is. And, and incorporating teddy bears from the past time that we spoke, teddy bears just go ahead and crush you. And teddy bears, just as uh, reiteration, are, are things such as... Um, you know, uh, on the hard level, um, they're, um, you know, drugs, sex, rock and roll, uh, not really rock and roll, but, um, we'll say, uh, the, the addiction is drug, alcohol, sex, um, things that are really addictive in a, in a high, high diverting kind of way that diverts you, um, from your goal. But teddy bears in a, in a small way, are your, your routines, 
that every morning I have to go through Starbucks. Every morning I have to go through, um, I have to uh, always be done at a certain time in front of the TV. I have to spend X amount of time on my phone. And so, and there's everything in between. And, um, you know, I, the, my strange addictions is that TV show that talks about people who have weird addictions. And boy, some of those addictions are so weird. It's bizarre. Um, but I, I think that it, once you start having this mindfulness and awareness of what you do every single week, every single day, that's repetitive. And it, 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 they're, they're, they coddle you, but they also waste time. And I don't want to look back on my life and say, geez, I wasted it. You know, um, people waste so much time, and especially in the United States, we do. So where do we go from here? Um, you know, the, the emotions. The emotions are a big piece. And um, when we talk about emotions, we talk about moods. Moods are awesome. I think God gave us moods for a lot of really cool things. Um, for me... Uh, moods, one, one great mood creator for me is exercise. Another great mood creator for me is, is music. And I think another great mood meter for me and probably for everybody is just what I did this morning. It's kind of taking a little bit of time out to be detached from everybody and everything, including including your phone. The phone is a, a, a huge time suck. And, you know, it's something where we probably need it, but do we need to live on it? So, mood is, is a, if you think of it, of it as an object, that's all it is, is an object. It's something that can come in to elevate your why, you know, what's the things we're doing, why we're doing them. Or it can come in contravention of it or, or, or basically be, become your enemy. And I think, you know, I always hate when my coach, I got another coach, a personal coach, that uh, talks to me about being mindful. Yeah, I think I've become very, I, I teased her all the time. I said, I hate your damn mindfulness. I hate it. can't stand it. And she has told me time and time again that being mindful, really what that is is an awareness. And so as far as awareness is concerned... I just really want to be aware of a few things. When are the times that I want to sabotage myself? When are the times that I am most likely to go ahead and be susceptible to being sabotaged? I remember talking to somebody who is in an addictions group, and they told me, yeah, my coach told me this too. She said it's called HALT, H-A-L-T. When you're hungry, angry, lonely or tired is when you're going to go back to your addiction. So if I'm hungry, uh, it's going to affect your blood sugar. So if I'm angry, um, people with anger, um, and let who let anger rule them are people who uh, are really saying that I'm going to submit to my emotions. And again, just like myself and my food, they have not learned the discipline of understanding that anger can exist, but a response to anger without it taking that time out can have really devastating uh, uh, consequences. We're going to talk about uh, uh, one more thing with this in a second because I think that th this will be very, very important. Loneliness. 
Um, loneliness it can be a, a true life loneliness. I, I talked to a guy who I know is a single guy. He got divorced. He's living with his parents, um, not because he's not self-sufficient, but because after the divorce, both of his parents fell ill, and he's taking care of them as a really great son. But the loneliness that he has um, is, is crazy. Um, but there's times where you can be lonely just in a day. And that loneliness in a day is horrible. And um, then tired. And so I think if you can just even just master the tiredness, um, there's two things in responses. Is one, just acknowledging that you're tired makes you have the ability to go ahead and say, I'm not going to go ahead and respond this way. I'm just acknowledging the fact that I'm tired. Or my favorite thing to do on a Saturday or Sunday is, is taking a, a power nap. I have learned, I, I had a, a classmate of mine, one of my, my best friends in college. Um, he's a doctor as well, too. He said, um, you got to master the power nap. I said, I can't do it. If I'm going to lay down, I'm going to be down. I'm going to be out forever. And he said, no, I can teach you. I said, no, you can't. And he said, yes, you can. So I said, okay, teach me. And he goes, give me two weeks. So I said, okay, I'll give you two weeks. And so in college, every day, after lunch, we'd come back and we'd watch AMC, all my kids. Um, and um, But then I'd have more time and, and he'd say, I want you to set your alarm clock every day, whatever you pick the time. And so for these two weeks, I picked the time and, and the time was at, um, we'll say, noon. And so I would lay down at noon and he said, set an alarm clock for one o'clock. And so I would lay on my back and I would do that. And I would be like, rolling my eyes, looking at the ceiling, looking at everything else. And he's like, no, you got to close your eyes. And when it gets very difficult to kick out all those thoughts, you need to start listening to yourself breathe. And because if you're doing the active role of listening to yourself breathe, then at that particular point, you can't think of those other thoughts that are racing in your head. Well, he was right. I was wrong. It didn't take me two weeks. By the end of the first week, I was able to go ahead and lay down, fall asleep, and I'd wake up at that one o'clock. Well, I became so good at it that literally, um, you can go ahead and now set your alarm for a half hour. You can set your alarm for 20 minutes. I can go ahead and fall asleep anywhere, anytime. I could be down and out and wake back up in, in, in under 10 minutes. And sometimes that's all you need is that little reset. Um, so let me tell you um, a story that goes to anger, uh, two stories. I was in this small group, we call it Iron Sharpening Iron, where, where, where these men get together and try to make themselves better, and um, they, they lift each other up. I was on, on that call last Wednesday, and this individual told me about how he had been completely wronged. I don't know if you've ever been wronged by anybody. Um, I have. And I will tell you, when I was younger, it, it really, really upset me. Um, and I would carry stuff. I remember carrying one of them for, for over a year. And um, the thing we talked about is that when you um, are holding a grudge and you're not going to forgive somebody, that other person has no clue. Major, major, major difference between forgiving and forgetting. I don't have to go back and hang out with that person that I've forgiven. But I will tell you, when you aren't forgiving, and if you're in a state of anger, the other person has no clue. It's a pride issue, I believe, because I'm so angry I'm going to hold this because it's my, my little teddy bear. That's a teddy bear. 
and I'm going to go ahead and, and um, hold that. And at the end of the day, really, the only person that's hurting is you. I have um, another woman who I was recruiting in one of my other businesses. And she was a young woman, probably about 33 or 35 years old. And one night I hop on social media and I see her post, which was a horrible post for me to see and a horrible post for her to post. But in many ways, it was a great post for me to see. And she's like, oh my God, oh my God, pray for me. My mother just died. And she said, I was in a fight with her and I haven't spoken to her for a year and a half. And she died suddenly. There, there, there was an accident or I, I think a major health thing that, that occurred that. And she, she was crying as she wrote this and she said, now I can never tell her how much I loved her and how much it meant for her or how much she meant to me. And I think about that. That's 100% a statement of pride and um, to, to go ahead and not talk. I, I understand being pissed, but the, there's two different levels. And if you can master this piece, you'll, you'll do really well. But emotionally, it's okay to have the feelings. But to act out on it, you can't get back your tomorrow. Um, or you can't get back to your yesterday. And I don't want to waste it. You know, I, I will tell you, um, um, uh, my, my parents, when we were kids, they would send us to our room when we fought. And my brother Mark, Mark and I would fight. And they said to us, they just said, don't come out. We didn't have cell phones. They would have taken away cell phones. Um, but they said, do not come out until you decide whose fault it was. Decided whose fault it was. That's so stupid. I mean, who cares whose fault it was? It was his fault. It was Mark's fault. And Mark knew it was my fault. And I, being the social one, couldn't stand being isolated. And so after about 10 minutes, I was just like, I, I was just kidding. And Mark was, I was just kidding too. And then we'd finally be like, well, what, what the hell's the problem with mom and dad? Yeah, what's their problem? And then, yeah, they're, they're idiots. Yeah, they're complete idiots. They're jerks. And then we finally say, okay, well, we'll go down and tell them that, that they're, the, they're the ones that are wrong. So we came downstairs, and we're like, um, well, you were wrong. We were just goofing around. And my mom told me later, she said, um, we didn't care if you hated us. What we cared about is the fact that you're, you're each other's best friends. We will leave this earth under normal circumstances before you are, and we want you to always have each other. And so I've done the same thing with my kids. I will hate, hate, hate on my kids if they hate each other. Um, I, I, I want them to hate me, not each other. I want them to understand that the biggest value that you can ever have, it, it, the big, biggest gift that you've ever been given in your entire life, is the gift of a sibling. And um, they will be with you forever. My mom tells me a story I remember actually living through the story when her um, uncle, uh, no, no, her, her, her father, I, I think, when her mother and father passed away, I, I forgot who, um, which one this occurred with, but um, she has one brother and he's a judge. And they were dividing up the estate and, um, you know, economically it was fine, 
But when it came down to items and trinkets and stuff like that, um, my mom was a little bit irritated because she wanted X and my uncle wanted it as well too. And he got it because he was a judge and he was appointed as administrator of the state. And my mom was a little bit miffed, but she didn't go around and she didn't sulk. What she did though, was though she verbalized it within our family and she's like, I'm not going to let this be um, a uh, stumbling block. And, and, and we're like, why? She said, because her parents wanted nothing more than just them to get along and be besties for the rest of their life. And so my mom had to conjugate it. She conjugated it. And uh, she and um, Uncle Rich are um, as tight as they've ever been. They're, they're both in their 80s. They love each other. What this really was, what, what was a moment. And so when I think about this, this is my conclusion with regards to this topic. Um, it's horrible to carry anger, to carry unforgiveness. And had my mom not done that, who knows where they would have been today. Had my mom not done that, she probably wouldn't have raised us the way that she raised us. Had my mom not done that, I probably wouldn't do the same with my children. Um, I have heard... And I tell my kids this all the time. You know who the winner of a fight is? This is the winner of the fight. The first one to say I'm sorry. So, when I, when I, when I, when I go back to this whole thing, we talk about decisions and we're talking about moods. I'm in for the long term. I, I am pissed off that I didn't lose the weight that I did today. I had to conjugate it. I think conjugating is pretty cool because you end up taking it and you put it in a box and you set that box aside, and that box becomes just a, 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 a drawer, a, a box in a drawer, and you can open it and shut it as you see fit. But if I can recognize that and put it in the drawer and just shut it, then I'm okay with it. So my decision today is that, yeah, I'm pissed off, but that's just going to uh, double my resolve. But during that first hour of the day, I had a lot of decisions that I had to go ahead and make. The second concluding piece of this day, or this episode, I should say, is, you know, be the winner. The, the winner, do the hard things in life. You know what? You're creating a discipline. The other person doesn't have to forgive you back. The forgiveness is not because of you. It, it, it's for you. Um, yeah, it is because of you. you. It's because you have the decision you make. I, I take that back. It is because of you. But it's really for you. And so you need to make these decisions because in doing that, you're releasing yourself. You're freeing yourself up so you can move forward. So that was wrap things up here today. A couple things. One, I wanted to go ahead and just say, um, if you know your why and you know your purpose, make the decisions. My decisions that I made, skipping the booze because I'm in for the long term. Short term for the long term. Everybody pays. There's not one person that doesn't pay. And as my father, through my conversations, I made a determination. I can either pay now and avoid a heart attack and have a healthy life or I'll pay later by giving myself every single thing that I want every piece of food every piece of self-indulgence and I'll pay later and I'll either be paid through the, my loss of my life or by spending the rest of my time in cardiac rehab hoping to get back to the way I am today or or, or better so everybody pays so think about the choices you make Think about when you're going to pay. 
think I'll have another episode on just paying. I think that's what we'll have coming up here. Anyways, Larry Betteg, I am excited. Um, this, this, this excites me. This energizes me. Uh, if you ever want to get a hold of me directly, you can respond to my email at betteg at comcast.net. Um, you can always call me. And um, I just want to go ahead and say thanks again to Cherry Creek Mortgage for sponsoring this. I'm a shameless self-promoter, but I need to pay for my five kids. I need to pay for my wife. And I'm grateful for the time. So until then, uh, thank you. Hey, if you like this, please, 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 I'm begging of you. Um, give me a review. Um, hit, hit, uh, give me a five-star review, please. Uh, share this on Facebook. Share this on um, the social medias, Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram. Um, in any event, Larry Betteg here. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Have a great day. Thinking about buying a new home or refinancing your existing one? With interest rates this low, what are you waiting for? Today's historically low rates means now is a great time to take the next step. Talk to Larry Betteg from Cherry Creek Mortgage. Larry is a great resource to answer all your home financing questions. Call Larry at 630-524-9677 or visit www.cherrycreekmortgage.com forward slash Larry Betag. Larry Betag, NMLS number 158606. Cherry Creek Mortgage Company, Inc., NMLS number 3001. An equal housing opportunity lender. Not everyone will qualify for products offered. Thank you for joining Larry Betag at No Rewind. Be sure to repost this podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to contact Larry directly, you can email him at betag at comcast.net or you can call him at 630-417-7172. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of No Rewind. No Rewind.